Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody, episode 134. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with special co-host today, Sophie Walker. Hello. Thanks for being co-host today, Soph. I know, thank you. Sorry, Guy can't be here. He's off in New York. Oh, it's not too bad then, is it? He, he's, yeah, he's not slumming it this week. So he's, he's gone away, having a lovely time, um, seeing the sights. So we thought, well, you know what? Who has been 
a fantastic guest so far on the podcast, who is basically a regular, Miss Sophie Walker. Yeah, I'm a listener as well, Rick. And you're a listener. Well, that, you've, you've ticked all the correct credentials to allow you to be a co-host. And I only live 20 minutes down the road. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Literally perfect. Um, we've got loads to cover today. I think one of the things we've got to cover, because it'll be it's the topic on everybody's lips at the moment, live golf. We will definitely come on to that. But in the world of golf, it's been a crazy week. Ladies major yesterday, Min G Lee won it. Yeah. Which is is actually sister of Min Woo Lee, who's a friend of the show. So we're going to definitely talk about that. We're going to talk about you going for a ping fitting this week. Got some new irons. Oh, I'm intrigued to know what you got. I also got battered by a 16-year-old this week. On the golf course? Yeah, on the golf course. <laughs> Not in the talk, street. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. And also the fact that I'm actually playing in a 100 ball this week. Yeah, playing golf with 100 people all at the same time, all on the same hole. Wow. But first off, I've had a busy weekend as well. I'm sure you have. I went to Robbie on well, Saturday. I- I was so jealous. I saw this on Rick's Instagram and you can take your Tiger Woods and I'll raise you with Robbie Williams. I have loved him since the take that days. I've been to see him live in concert and you, sir, you've made a video with him and (laughs) backstage. And he's been on the podcast. So yeah, it was a bit of a a mad one. He was doing his homecoming tour. He's from Stoke-on-Trent. If you're listening from America, Robbie Williams is one of the biggest UK he was in a huge boy band, take that. He then went on to have an incredible solo career. Um, he loves his golf. He's not played for a little bit, he told me recently, but he loves his golf. We'd made a video a couple of years ago, um, and he texted me at the start of the week saying, do you fancy coming to the show on Saturday? I'm like... You've got Robbie Williams' number. Of course. And uh, he says, uh, I said, yeah, if you don't mind. Now, I thought, well, how can I... How can I do this. I didn't tell my wife straight away. I thought I was surprised because we were supposed to be going to a Jubilee party. So I'm thinking, oh, I think this might just trump the Jubilee party. I don't think she'll be too upset with me. So I kept it a bit of a secret from her. Um, and then Saturday, did I tell her late Friday or Saturday? I said, oh, by the way, uh, got some bad news. We're not going to a Jubilee party next this week. She's like, what do you mean? Oh, we, we are. I said, kind of got tickets to go and see Robbie Williams she went okay let's go like she was like buzzing um so actually went with a few friends and yes before the show um Robbie's manager said come backstage he wants to meet you went backstage and lit honestly not no word of a lie this is half an hour before his show super chilled super relaxed chatting about golf chatting about the PXG golf clubs that he bought that he doesn't like which I told him not to buy And he even said to me, yeah, but they're so expensive, they should be good. And I went, no! I wanted to shake him. I went, no! Just because they're expensive doesn't mean they're good. So I think he's going going for some new clubs soon. Um, But yeah, he absolutely killed the show. Honestly, you would have loved it, I must admit. There were some of the classics, some of the new ones. Uh, I'd had so much to drink. I was having the best time of my life. And uh, yeah, it was pretty epic. Sorry oh. to make you jealous there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am well jealous. Um, I went to see Liam Gallagher, which is another throwback to the 90s. It is. I saw him in Manchester on Wednesday. 
and he had lots of the old Oasis classics as well as some of his new stuff. So we've both done some concerts. Probably why we've not got a great voice between <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, I've <laughs> been definitely singing been, everyone else's songs. I've definitely been singing too much this weekend. We, funny enough, though, Robbie actually did an Oasis song because he? he explained the time when he kind of fell out with everyone at Take That when he became friends with the Gallagher brothers. So he he did it. Awesome. I can't remember which Oasis song it was now, Wonderwall or something, but it was absolutely epic. It was it was phenomenal. Um and then actually stayed at JCB, because it was only down the road. Why would you not? And last week we talked about on the podcast that in the end of July I'm playing golf with John Daly and John Daly Jr. and me and a competition winner. And we walked around the golf course, a mate of mine who stayed with us as well, he'd never seen the golf course. So I took him out in a buggy. We went round the golf course. It's the best I've ever played. <laughs> ever. Just talking round there. a good game and showing him around. How, have you ever done that where you've just literally been, I'm sure you have probably for your job, just been out on the golf course, not playing, but being able to go and stand on the tee, go and stand on the greens. We actually found a Pro V1 in the trees. So I wanted to show my mate like the undulations of the greens to be able to drop a ball down and go, look out. It's amazing. I have to do that every week on tour, Rick. That's my job. So every Wednesday, I drive around in a golf cart and visualise what's the best way to play the hole. Where where should I hit it off the tee, into the green, where not to go? No way. It's really good. And actually, if you're talking out loud to your friend, you can start painting a picture, which you can use when you go play there with uh, John Daly. It's pretty cool. I've done a golf day with John Daly before, and he is so naturally gifted. There's a great story about him, actually. He's in the car parking lot at PGA Tour events, and he's got his massive Winnebago. And he's sat there, and he's making, I think he's got a barbecue, and Tiger Woods walks past. And he's like, Tiger, do you want to come for a drink? Do you want to come for some food? He says, no, John, I've, I've got to go to the practice ground. He's like, oh, you don't want to do that. And he says, if I was as good as you, John, no, I wouldn't. But I'm going to the practice ground because I need to. And that's kind of the John no. Daly way because he's so naturally gifted. And everybody knows that. And anyway, on this golf day, he came and he played played this par three. And he just hit the most beautiful cut six iron into the back right flag. And it was so easy. Aww. You're going to love it. He is a really top guy. You know what I'm looking forward to as well? So, again, I took my pal up to the 17th, the par three. And, again, when you're not playing it, it just looks incredible. It was hard, strong wind off the left. Pin was back left, impossible, like 240 yards, something silly. I thought to myself again, stood there, and I was looking at the rough. The rough's grown way more than I remember, thinking, how hard is this golf course? You know, I'm going to really struggle next time I play it. And I thought, oh, crap, the next time I'm playing it is probably going to be when I'm with John Daly. And I was thinking of that hole. I wonder what he's going to hit on that par three. Like, is he, he must still be a long hitter as well. Yeah, he's still a long hitter, but it's just his, the shape he can put on the golf ball. He can just, he'll hit a draw on demand. He will hit a hard draw into that left yeah, yeah. wing, no problem whatsoever. And um, yeah, he's, he's just a quality golfer and so natural. He's still got his long swing and he's got his southern accent. <laughs> it's going to be good. And then his son as well. I, I mean, know. I've seen him play like on, the, mini-me, yeah, on the father and son and they actually won that father and son yeah. tournament, didn't they? So yeah. this will be a good team. Did you... Um, did you see as well the the stat when he played in the PGA Championship recently? They monitored what, what he consumed through that round of golf. And he had something silly like 24 cigarettes in 18 holes. He had something along the lines of like 8 to 10 
Diet Cokes and about four packets of like Skittles or M&Ms or something silly. Like, athlete that, in it? <laughs> yeah, but Waitsley gets to JCB and he tries those sausage rolls. <laughs> I was at the halfway house at JCB. They're epic. So we'll, we'll be having a couple four. of them as well at the end of July. Well, so far, this is a crazy one as well. So far, the entry, if you didn't hear last week's episode, the entry to playing with me and John Daly, you've got to go over to my Instagram, make sure you're following me and following JCB Championship and leave a comment. In a week... JCB's Instagram has gone from 600 followers to 16.5 thousand followers. Wow. So it's jumped up 15,900 in a week. That's how many people have entered? Yes. They must really like John Daly. They must really like John Daly. (laughs) (laughs) It's not to play with me, is it, So You've had that pleasure and it's not that pleasurable. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I played golf last week at one of... I think it's my fa- one of my favourite open venues. But weirdly, I don't believe that's kind of the common view, is it? No, I was just shaking my head. Are we allowed to say yeah. where it was? Yeah, Ro- Royal Lytham. Um, it's not a favourite of many of ours because it's really hard. There's a bunker everywhere you look. Yeah, there's a lot of bunkers. Um, I played in a, a women's open there and came home very poorly in an ambulance as some people would say to, to <laughs> miss the cut there there's a little that little three right by the school yes the ninth no no by the on on the back oh nine. for um 12th yeah didn't judge the wind and yeah and hit it well hit I, it right. I had a little blow up on that hole as well i won't give too much away but it was a phenomenal um break 75 which will be coming in two weeks time because last friday there was no break 75 I mean, I had a lot of very sad notes on this sofa. I've had a lot of sad notes. <laughs> the amount of people that have stopped me in the street and said about this break 75. The first question is, oh, Rick's short game. Oh, <laughs> the second question was, what did you shoot? But everybody feels for your short game. Tell me about it. What Are we going to try and fix this? Maybe that was why I was invited to talk it through. For therapy? Yeah. Maybe maybe I just need to lie down on the desk and you, you just take me to my happy place and go, it's okay, Rick. You're not going to duff that chip. You're going to hit it so close. Um, it's been better. Not great yet, but it's been better. You know what I've done less, which is making it better, which scares me? I've practiced less. <laughs> I don't know the logic about this. Expectations have been lowered. I think so. Then. I think sometimes when I get something really in, like, in my brain, I'm like, I really need to fix something. I'll, I'll put everything into it. And about two or three weeks ago, I was honestly grinding, proper practicing, putting loads of effort in. Went to see Dan Whitaker a few times uh, for, for some short game lessons and some lessons in general. And, and starting to see definite progress on the practice green, a little bit even in just in normal playing golf. And then a bit of lack of confidence. You hit a couple of bad shots and suddenly that confidence just drops. And it almost makes it feel worse because I was like, I've really tried. Like I've done everything I can. Yeah. If I duffed one without trying, I'd be okay. But I'm like, I really bloody tried. So in the last couple of weeks, I've not been I've been actually we've been super busy recently, but I've not been practicing as much. I've been running loads, I've been getting fitter and getting stronger and not really practicing my golf. But what's crazy, like you said, my expectation levels have changed. Like, I know how to chip. I know how to play good golf shots. I do. But it's like scar tissue, bad thoughts, bad memories, where sometimes I, 
what I've done, and this is a great little tip for people listening as well, there's been, over the last three or four months, when I've since been playing a lot more golf in the last three or four months, there have been really good shots that I've hit. There's been a mixture of bad shots, obviously, but really good shots. So what I've done now, in my brain, I've actually got these kind of memory shots that I try and pull back on. So I've got, like, my favourite tee shot I hit. Like, one of them is the first hole at Delamere when we played. Like, as much as that wasn't a spectacular tee shot for me, I loved how I hit that. Like, trouble up the left, really tight hole. I'm stood there with driver. First tee's always a little bit nervy anyway. I've hit this lovely little buttercup right down the middle of the fairway. That's in the bank. It's a positive thought that's in the bank. I've hit some really good iron shots. I hit this incredible iron shot at Royal Lytham last week, which, again, has gone in the memory bank. I've hit some... I played with Lee Westwood at Close House, and as much as I played terrible that day, the last green had to chip in to effectively half the match after giving him a 10 shot head start obviously and I and it was an awful lie I had loads of people watching like loads of people from close house had come around and watched and I played I was nervous as hell but I played this lovely chip and nearly hold it that's in the bank you know and and I'm trying to remember these so when I'm stood over a chip now I'm going okay Lee Westwood 18th hole that chip you nearly hold let's just do that again that's really good. It, affirmations as well. I used to have affirmations before I used to go out and play or audio notes actually on my phone that I would say to myself and play them in my ears. It'd be like, you are a good putter. You know, you don't have to hit a good putt for it to go in, see the shot, all that type of things. And you're just playing it over and over. And when you said, when I played with you, you stood over a shot and you, you looked paralysed by that golf shot. You could see the nerves. No, but you visually you could see that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe now you're not thinking, don't fat it. You're thinking about something good and it's going to get you in that state is the one that we need yeah, to yeah. be in, that nice relaxed state of I can do this and I will do this. Because like you say, you've done the practice now. You've got to let it happen. And actually that's one of the hardest things to do. So really good that you're starting to to put that mind games into play i think the other thing as well there's this element of you know i've hit so many bad shots on video now it doesn't really matter <laughs> like i'm almost like ah i used to be really bothered Let's about hitting give bad the shots crowd what they want. i was like ah so it'll make someone feel better out there <laughs> like if i've hit a bad shot i'm sure people watching people listening go you know, that actually made me feel a little bit better. I've just seen Rick duff it or whatever. So I'm doing it for you guys. I'm doing it for, I'm a team player. All right, I'm a team player. But yeah, the golf is definitely getting better. However, last week I played with Frank Kennedy at Presbury. You play there quite a bit, actually, don't you, Presbury? Yeah, I play there a little bit. I've not played there this year, actually, so I must it's get a trip. It looks fantastic, actually, at the moment. Frank's off plus seven. He didn't play his greatest golf. He played, he shot level par. I won't ruin the videos for people watching, but it, we actually ended up giving, uh, similar to what I did with Tommy and Lee Westwood, I gave, or Frank gave me a 10-shot head start. It went down to the last. I won't ruin it too much. But honestly, there was a couple of things that I really picked up on from this. And you might have seen it already, Soph. He's not like a 16-year-old that I was like a 16-year-old. Like, is this the new wave of young golfer coming through who have seen how to become elite athletes now like he's strong he's fast he almost feels somewhat media trained already like all of his equipment is like really tailored spec to him he knows how to practice he knows how to get it around the golf course i didn't know all that at 16 no and it's like i was out like doing stupid stuff like <laughs> um i mean that might be why i'm not obviously as good as i could be but 
is that what we're seeing now or have you seen that in the past it's just that it can it's been brought to my attention more recently i think it's another level that we're talking about now and he is going to be that it reminds me a little bit of the sam horsefield that have gone out to america seen the big wide world i've I've seen he's met nick faldo He's, he gets taught by Dan Hoy and he used to, used to teach me and, and he knows where to take him, who to expose him to. The fitness, I mean, Tiger started that years ago. It's something that you, you've got to do now. That's a given, the psychology, the same. Club manufacturers are also getting on board with these players early because they hope that when they turn pro, they'll be loyal to that brand if they've been supporting them for the last five or six years. And they're starting so much younger. They're playing in the the US juniors and stuff like this it It is absolutely crazy but then there is only a handful that are that good and and I do believe he is I think he did he win the Spanish or the Portuguese amateur Portuguese amateur he's the youngest Englishman to make a cut on the DP world tour the third best 16 year old in the world at the moment and the first best 16 year old in Europe Um, look at that he's traveled yeah he has and, and at 16 you probably had never played golf outside of England no, I bet I hadn't. No, at 16, I bet I hadn't. And I, I didn't know things like what my club head speed was. And and even if I did, I don't think it was as big as a, of a top. Like he knows what his club head speed is. He knows what his delivery numbers are, his launch angle, his spin rates. I didn't know any of that at 16. Like That's how much the game has, has come on leaps and bounds now as well. Like He seemed like a mini tour pro already. Um my fear, and you, you've mentioned it just earlier, when you get these now bigger tournaments, because certainly in America, and Frank said this off kind of off camera, in America now there are big tournaments for really little kids. And I, I worry, is it going to burn them out? Is it almost too much too early? Like you look at the Masters when they do the drive pitch, is it drive? Pitch and put. Pitch and put. Drive, chip and put. Chip and put, sorry. Um, Pitch and put if you're British. <laughs> <laughs> the drive, chip and put. And some of these kids are so young, yet they're being exposed to like TV and pressure of, of a massive crowd. Like, is it going to help them? Or is it actually going to hinder them? Are they going to end up kind of going at, at the age of 10, 11? I can't be asked for this anymore. I'm done with golf. You'll see it. Yeah. Um, I went to Loughborough University and I saw it through other sports. Um I remember my first couple of weeks there, I sat next to a girl who was a tennis player and she was a couple of years older than me and she'd played Wimbledon, junior Wimbledon, all of that, burnt out and was coming to university at 20 years old. She'd had enough of tennis. And I was thinking at the time as a golfer, I'm only just starting my career and she's already finished. You're going to see it. That's people, parents especially, but the kids want to do it. They can see that golden carrot hanging down you know, the millions of dollars that you can win, it changes your life and the exposure. And mm. there's going to be some kids that absolutely love it and carry on through. You look at Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, they've never been out the spotlight. In fact, they're more comfortable in front of people when there's nobody there. I mean, Rory spoke about yeah. it when the COVID times, with no fans, he, he wasn't used to it. So you're going to get the likes of Rory and Tiger, but then you will get somebody in 10 years' time that you'll meet who said, I gave up golf at 13. Yeah, I, I do. I can imagine it. I really can. It makes me also think, though, with with this kind of new wave of these, like, every, golfers are definitely getting stronger, faster, more precise, better with the numbers and everything. We've seen that already. Do It then begs the question, 
I never thought we'd see it. Do you think there is somebody out there now watching or or started playing or whatever that could potentially be the new Tiger? It gets it gets pushed out so often. This guy's the next Tiger Woods. Do you actually think it's doable, or do you think we have only seen it once in our lifetime? The Tiger effects, like, can someone else do it? There will be somebody. There, there always will be, and the fact that Tiger's been that successful will mean he's producing a lot more better players. Exactly. However, I don't think we'll see a domination because of that Tiger effect. There's so many good players now that it's hard for somebody to stand out. Tiger was that's winning nine times a season. Yeah, that's a good point. And now, like, you see Scotty Scheffler, and it's like, oh, wow, he's, you know, he's, he's winning four or five times. We won't see Tiger effects like that because of the legacy that he's going to have left. So he's almost, as much as he's going to probably produce the next Tiger, he's also having an influence on this fact that there's so many more of them to compete against. Yeah, there'll be people as good as Tiger Woods at golf, but will they win as much? Maybe not, because there'll be a handful of them. Oh my God, yeah, I didn't even think about that. He's almost producing his own prodigy anyway, like Charlie. I wonder if Charlie's going to be as good. Like, oh. I wonder if, if like, I wonder if he like worries about pressure. He doesn't seem to. Like he seems just so kind of relaxed and chilled in it already. He doesn't know any different though, does he? But he's always been by his dad's side yeah. in the limelight. What's going to happen when his dad steps aside? Yeah, that's, that's when I think we'll really see it. Talk us then through. You recently went for a uh, iron fitting, did you then at Ping? Yeah, I did. Um, I've been trying out irons all year like you do doing the reviews and everything and it was what what stood out for me and and it was the ping i525s okay yeah, so is that what, what you I've, went for or? yes that's i'd kind of already thought about that i know when people do go for fittings you might have a couple of irons in mind i was i wanted those i just didn't know if i wanted them in the power lofts or what shaft etc etc so i went down to ping like everybody else does and i got myself fitted um, it must be hard for a fitter. Do you think trying to fit the likes of you and me? Because we do know numbers. And I, I'm going to be honest. I reckon I've had comfortably double figures of fittings from, from all different manufacturers for all different products. I reckon I've only ever had one really good fitting in my life. Really? Yeah. I've always really struggled with fittings because... What I found when I go for a fitting, and I've sp- I think I spoke about it on the pod in the past, certainly if it's driver and I'm going to a brand, they want their driver to perform better than the driver I've currently got in the bag. So often, which is most what pe- what most people want, they want a product that's going to be better than the driver they've currently got. But it ends up for me just being a bit of a, like a, a macho kind of, oh, we, we've got this driver that's going to definitely hit it further than your driver. And we're going to put the shaft in it. We're going to do that. I'm like, oh yeah, but I don't, that might not be what I want from a driver. I might want forgiveness. I might want to find more fairways. I might want a driver that I look down and go, that actually gives me confidence to hit. It's not just about launch monitor numbers sometimes, which I've, when I've gone into fittings, I feel like that's all it's about. Launch monitor numbers look like, and it's, and I also find there's loads of times where I've been hitting a particular driver or product and going, that's, I love that. That's perfect. Oh, let's try it in this shaft. But I've just said I like that. Like, don't give me anything else. I love what you've just given me. So I've had mixed thoughts on fittings, I'll be honest with yourself. Okay, well, people that know me know that I lead the fitting. I know what I want. And I think that's what you've got to 
you've got to say to that fitter, I want forgiveness. Yeah. Irons might be a bit easier because it's not all about how far they go. So I wanted to hit it a little bit further than the irons I've got at the moment because they're blades and I'm not hitting them far enough. So that was my first thing. I want to hit them a bit further. Well, Tightless irons at the moment. Uh, Tailor-mades. Tailor-mades. So that was my first thing. I wanted a graphite shaft. He tried to put me in a uh, steel and I said, I, d- I don't want that. Equally because my wedges are black graphite shafts and like Cam Smith, I like to have everything the same when I look down on it. Yeah. But um, he was a good fitter in the sense that we spoke about spin numbers and if we'd have gone for a different um, head and a different shaft, I was hitting the ball further. I wanted to hit it further, but I didn't want to hit it 10 yards further with each iron. I wanted about five yards. So then I had to say that to him. Look, I I don't want to be hitting everything 10 yards further. I can't play golf like that. It'll take me too long to adapt. And then I did something which I think everybody should do. I took a handful of balls and went on the grass. And I, and I said that to him. I said, look, I need to go and hit these on the grass because off a mat, I feel like they pop. Yeah. I don't think they're going to pop off the grass. It, but equally, he was like, maybe go for a shaft that won't pop. And I said, no, I always hit it high off a mat. So I took a few balls. And they used Pro V1s actually at Ping, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do that when I first used to go. Yeah, yeah. As a that's a new, that's new. I didn't know that they used them either I, now. And I asked, is it everybody? And they said, yes, everybody gets to use the Pro V1s. And I just went to the side on the grass and hit a few in front of the fitter. And he said, yeah, you're right. On the grass, they do they lower the ball flight. And that was it, really. But... I do think you need to know what you're looking for and that could be the hardest thing. A fitter actually is only ever trying to do his his best or her best for you, but equally they've only got that half an hour, haven't they? So they're only seeing that window of you and you've seen every shot you hit. Yeah, that's that's very true. You you have got to go in with a a a real definitive kind of, right, this is what I want from it. I think probably where I fall in this kind of really grey area is sometimes I'm going for a fitting because the, the... brand the manufacturer want to fit me the best for their product but i don't really want any different to what i'm already using because otherwise i'd be using it so it's just like just give me what you think is going to be best that's going to suit me really um but yeah i'm I'm not the biggest fan of fitting so when do you get them have you got them already no i've not got them yet you don't walk away with them which is a bit of a shame that'd be cool wouldn't it so i thought they used to do that service at pink they used to as a tour pro uh, yeah, you used to used to watch them getting made actually, now, which is very cool. But now you're just a commoner. You just yeah, I've got just to, have wait to go my in turn. and wait. Oh, yeah. so you, but you, they did tell me one thing because I said, "Oh, um, I normally have these shafts when I was on tour," um, and he said, "Well, when you're on tour, they do try and push you in the shafts which they can access easy, because if your clubs don't arrive or." something breaks they need to be able to send you that club straight away ah. which i thought oh but then what a good idea that is they're going to fit you with what the best one which is also available because that's something that you need isn't it easy access when you were playing were you sponsored by ping anyway yeah was being a sponsored tour player a, a benefit double-edged sword i think and i, I can now say that as I'm not committed to anybody, uh, Ping were amazing to me. They looked after me from the age of 12 or 13 when I was nothing, if you know what I mean, a county player. So I'll always thank them for their support all the way through. But there are times when you think, oh, would that driver have helped me? Would Mm. that set of irons have helped me? And I wasn't paid by Ping. But obviously I gained a lot of money from them in, in their support. Yeah. 
So sometimes you, you lose out. However, Ping is such a good all-round brand, I think you'd be fine. But th- there was a time where I felt I lost a bit on the driver. What was the yeah? Yeah, because actually, a- you, you know me, I, I don't hit it far enough. I hit it straight enough. Yeah. And Ping are that, aren't they? they if are. you want forgiveness, you go for Ping. Yeah. So maybe sometimes I was like, oh, I'm missing out on a, a bit of yardage there. Um, but as an overall brand, I think they do everything well. Did you ever try then other drivers in that period, like out of sight and go, oh God, yeah, there could be a bit more distance there. Yeah, I remember when the Callaway Epic came out. Was it the Epic or the Epic Flash? And I was at the Women's Scottish Open. And that was the time that I thought, oh, here we go. I could do with this. Yeah. And you were were effectively contracted for 14 clubs. Or was it just your loyalty? Yeah, I felt my loyalty to it. I'm sure if I if I said to Jeff at Ping, look, this driver is really helping me. I'll, he put, would have, I'll put a pink head cover on it. Yes, <laughs> he would have been absolutely fine with it. But it was just me wanting to be loyal. I'm from Lincolnshire and yeah. they'd done so much for me. We spoke with Tommy. Because I, I must admit, I wasn't, I didn't quite grasp this idea of being sponsored because having the flexibility of playing whatever clubs you wanted, I honestly thought it was a huge benefit and still think it is to a lot of a lot of golfers. Because, as you mentioned, I don't believe any brand can make the, the number one product in every category. They just can't. It's impossible. What Tommy was saying, though, and, and it really kind of opened my eyes to it, almost his relationship with, let's say, TaylorMade, they almost act as like a mechanic to his, to his equipment. So they'll be going out there, and it might be different on at Tommy's level when he's out on the PJ Tour or DP World Tour when there's obviously often there's time where there is big fitting trucks certainly on the PJ Tour they'll come out and almost assess his golf clubs and almost give him like recommendations on numbers that he needs to be filling or they'll tweak his clubs or they'll make sure they're absolutely perfect like a mechanic would do an F1 car and when he said that I was like oh yeah that's actually quite a different take on it I hadn't quite realised I just thought big money deal signing with a tailor-made or a cow, big money deal, and then kind of just left to your own devices. But it is, at that level, your clubs and your equipment is so paramount to the success you have on the golf course as well. It kind of made more sense to me, really. So, but for you, I'm guessing there was no ping tour truck out on the out on ladies' tour when you were playing. And there isn't now. Not even on the LPGA tour, there's no big trucks. Maybe a women's US Open and the women's British Open, but that is it. Wow. And, and that's where seeing them once a year, you, you might... Know, I, I was looking at Cameron Smith. He carries three lob wedges, but he only plays with one. And he decides on the course conditions, which one to use, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, I was just packing one one bag, like a suitcase and a golf bag. So excess baggage was important. You know, when you're flying Ryanair and EasyJet, you yeah. get stung, can't you? I'm not <laughs> flying private. <laughs> So I can't carry all those clubs around with me, um, a two iron instead of a hybrid, everything like that, I can't do. And also, you know, you you do it when you do the reviews, you you see Justin Thomas has helped design this golf ball. I I never got asked to design anything at Bing. (laughs) Oh, self, you'd have been good. You'd have been a good designer. For a driver that you can swing 90 mile an hour. (laughs) That goes dead straight. Yeah. I'd take that every single day. Um, yeah, it, it is really quite interesting. Isn't is another one then? Do you think, and has it ever been tried, or or is there events where there is almost like a PJ Tour event, and then almost the following week the LPGA Tour go there? It 
it's happened, excuse me, it's happened at the US Open, yeah. Pinehurst. The, the women were there the first week and then the men the second. And it's happening in a couple of weeks' time at Centurion. So the live event will be at Centurion Club and the following week is the Ladies European Tour Aramco Team Series. For, for infrastructure and for fans going, it kind of makes sense. But I'm also thinking, is there not a benefit for the players? Like, let's say again, you're mentioning that the, the ladies don't always get access to the tour trucks, where the big PJ Tour events, the tour trucks are there every single time. Would it not more make sense that, okay, we're going to just, this is where our tournament's going to be. Let's plug in the men's event and let's plug in the ladies' event. And the benefit from all of the, kind of features there as well like the tour trucks the accommodation the transportation the sponsorships would that not work or was well, as in the week after week before <laughs> week after same week like could there it, are could it there are work? huge bonuses to it the, the infrastructure that will be at the lift will remain so that's a, a very handy for the people that are organizing it the course might not be in as good condition because of the footfall. yeah the footfall but there isn't as many people playing but you've got to look at the whole running of the event. You need a lot of volunteers and a lot of spectators. Now, to ask two weeks of that mm, in the same place that's a good point. can be difficult. And also with tour trucks, a lot of them drive to the next week. So they'll be if it's on the PGA Tour, yeah, for instance, true. they pack up on Thursday they pack up and go, on, yeah, or and Wednesday go. night even. So they're there for the Sunday, Monday. So actually the women would, would miss out. The women need their own tour trucks. That'd be a simpler way of doing it, wouldn't it? Actually, thinking about it. Well, talking about women's golf, US Women's Open presented by, was it Pro? Pro Medica. Pro Medica. Well, they've helped the purse of this event, right? Yeah, they have. Is this have. the biggest ladies' purse ever played for? Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. And friend of the show, as we mentioned earlier, Minwoo Lee's incredible sister, Minji Lee who's won, is it twice in the last three or four weeks or something silly? She's won her last two outings, yeah. She took, is it a tournament or a major record? And she's picked up $1.8 million shooting 13 under par to win the US Women's Open. That is correct. So the US Women's Open is the biggest major in women's golf because of the history behind it that, Obviously, being British, we'd love to win the, the British Open. But Minji Lee, she wanted to win the US Open. The trophy is awesome. It's a huge trophy. And it was a tournament record because US Opens, like the men's, is notoriously very hard. Now, you mentioned that there is a sponsor at the Women's US Open. That's something that doesn't happen in the men's game. But Mike Wan, who was the CEO of the LPGA, has moved to the USGA. And he wanted to elevate the events and the prize fund. And in order to do that, he needed a partner. So that is why there's a sponsor. They sit below it. They don't say it's the Pro Medica US Women's Open. They yeah. say it's presented by, and that is why the prize fund was $10 million. So 1.8 million for the winner. And then second place, it's the first time a seven-figure number for second place, a million dollars for second place. One million and 80,000. And you know that 80000 the girl that came second had only won $86,000 on tour this no year. No way. So the, the, the bit she got over a million is almost matching up to her earnings this year already. Um, incredible. And she had a dominating lead going into the final round, didn't she? Like, is it 
really tough because it also happened on the men's tour this week with Billy Horschel. I think they both have five-shot leads. I think that's weirdly hard a position to be in. You take it every day, obviously, but it's like there is almost a pressure that everybody's after you. Everybody's got a number on your back, and you've got to go out there and still shoot a good enough number, hold everyone off to take victory. That's the thing. You could just shoot level par, couldn't you, and hold everybody off. And that's what you've got to battle with. There's only one way to go when you're at the top. You'll be thinking that. And so important to get a good start. Minji Lee did that. She hit the first, which is a par five in two. Two putted, made a birdie. Billy Horschel did the same. Started off level par. You want to at least maintain that lead through the front nine. You don't want it to get to two shots. That's the issue. Three shots is still okay. Minji had a, a slight wobble. Um, but made a couple of crucial par puts. And I have to say, she's she is one of the only people that I could go to bed early on last night and know that she would have won in the morning. She's not going to mess up, is she? She doesn't mess up, no. You've you've um, interviewed her brother, played golf with her brother. She's different to him. She's a lot more laid back, calm, collective. I think he says that her career goes in a straight line. Her life does, and his is a little bit of a wiggly line. Yeah. Some player. I mean, she won the, the US... Um, junior amateur in 2014 and and in that interview somebody asked her about what's next and she just said I'm coming it's just she's very very confident in her own ability and um, Carrie Webb won around that golf course the US Women's Open that's her idol and she's gone and done the same and was was long said to be the best player to never win a major she's now got two in two years I think she could get another one this year yeah she's absolutely awesome I mean how how proud must the family be as well? Like, you're literally there. I think they live in Perth in Australia. You're there watching almost week in, week out, one of your children just burning it up. Like, absolutely burning it up. I wonder what cut there. I hope they get looked after the parents. I'm sure they do. There was a, there's a really good, um, she's at the prize giving and her phone rings. Oh, it was a brother one. It? it was her brother calling and it's great. And, and she won last year. She won a major last year at the, at the Evian. And then not long after he won. So they spur each other on. It's such a great relationship. And Adam Scott, like messaged on Instagram saying well done and for an Aussie girl that's epic yeah, for Adam that's Scott. That's really cool. Well I think Min Min Woo and Adam Scott kind of hang around quite a bit. So um you know that, that yeah. I, I just think it's amazing. Well done. Um I, I think again the fact that the prize fund like I remember going to the the women's open at Carnoustie and that being a record prize fund at the time this is a now new record price from like these numbers now 1.8 million dollars that only feels to me about three or four years almost behind the men's game now in price funds the jump has been amazing in the majors the majors have really stepped up the u.s open has doubled its price money in the last couple of years really it was only wow. five million a handful of years ago so it's it's really stretching and it's pushing the other majors to do the same Evian yeah. is going up the women's British Open is going up also the women's game is, is in a really good place and there's some very talented players and, and Minji Lee for me is, is the best in the world this season wow will um the women's open at Muirfield be a new record prize fund again that will beat this no it won't beat this but it will be a, a record, for, a the record for the women's British Open wow incredible 
you'll be getting the clubs back out. So is this why you just got fitted again? I'm on course, I think, that week. So <laughs> I'm not playing though, talking. Would you ever would you ever try and qualify for it again? I will. I think when it comes back to Birkdale, Lytham, Royal Liverpool, I'll give it a go locally. Really? Is that something like do you ever get like desire when you see this happening now? When you when you're watching it and you're calling the golf, you know. I know you did it in your spare bedroom this weekend, the luxury life of Sophie Walker, but does it ever give you that kind of, oh, I want to get out there and play again. I want to compete. Oh, I'll never lose the, the, the want to compete. Um, one of the main reasons I stopped was because I couldn't make a living, that the money wasn't good enough and it didn't work its way down. It, it was it was top heavy, but now it, it's, it's really top heavy because there's a lot of money, but it's filtering its way down and... I'm actually shocked of how far the game has moved since I've retired. Bit gutted, I'm probably five <laughs> years a bit late. Um, but really proud how far it's moved in those three years. Wow. Talking about money, Live Golf, the new tour with a global field, right? This The players have been announced last week, which was a, a bit of a strange time. I think they were supposed to do it the week before, but whether the the... The I's weren't being dotted and the T's weren't being crossed on contracts. It got pushed back to the Tuesday, which is a bit of a shame because it kind of overshadowed a little bit of the Women's Open and also overshadowed a little bit of the Memorial. I said that weird, didn't I? Why did I say that so northern? Anyway, the player list was announced and there were some big names and there were some shock names as well, I think. Biggest name being Dustin Johnson. You think there were shock names? Yeah. Okay, go on then. I thought there was... I thought the calibre of... Maybe maybe to me not so much because I felt like maybe I knew a few people who might have been playing, kind of rumours and stuff. But I think for the general golf public, I think from my reading everything online, there was a big shock of, oh my God, he's gone to it. They've gone to it. Wow. Like almost more maybe of a public perception of shock then. But we've got Dustin Johnson playing in it yeah I think that's a massive pull for that event if you look at the rest of the list that you're going to name now I think he's a huge standout currently 13th in the world former world number one two-time major champion and a big character in the world of golf not the most charismatic character but somebody who people want to watch like I remember I can't remember which I remember, but I can't remember. I remember one of the opens, he was he was doing a practice round, and I was like, I want to go and watch Dustin Johnson. I think it was at Troon. I want to go and watch him. I want to see him hit driver. Like, I feel like people are going to want to watch him, potentially. You've got golfers like, I think no surprises were like Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Gray McDowell. Um, you've also got some younger players, which I, I think they were a bit more of a shock, but, you know, also... There's big money to be played for. Even like friend of the show, Sam Horsfield's playing in it. Like he's won recently on the DP World Tour. He's going playing in Live. If you don't know what Live is, it's eight events this year. The prize fund for each event is $25 million. Um, it's only three rounds of golf, so 54 holes. Next week, it's going to be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Centurion Club because a lot of the players then are jumping in jets on the Sunday to go and play in the US Open. Um, it's at Centurion Club, London. It's a shotgun start, so you can have all golfers out on the golf course. It's only a 48-player field. Um, and there's a team element, there's individual elements. There's lots and lots of 
talk about how much these guys are getting paid. It's rumoured that Dustin Johnson signed, rumoured, signed for $125 million to play in the live golf events. That is staggering, isn't it? Um, when you look at Lionel Messi, he's on $130 million a year. He's the highest paid sportsman in the world, and that's his combined. So Dustin Johnson's going to get $125 million for this appearance as such in these eight events. don't know if that's a commitment for a, how many years. Nobody knows. Life, um, I don't think we'll ever know. Lifetime commitment, yeah. poten- potentially. Um, but then, like I said, the prize funds are crazy. $5 million for winning, isn't it? Which Basically, what's happened is it, the biggest event on the PGA Tour is the Players' Championship. That prize fund is $20 million. There was a huge kind of, oh, wow, Celebration look at this. Almost. And what Liv have done is said, well, we're going to do more than that. So anything the PGA Tour will do, we will do more. There has been backlash. Quite a lot of backlash. Um, there's been fans that have been disappointed with players leaving either PGA Tour. You know, I don't think it's a decision as much as leave PGA Tour or join Live. But what's not been kind of um, worked out yet, and I believe it's going to take place once the players actually tee up and hit their first ball, what the punishment is from the PGA Tour, because it's going to be fines. People are talking about bans. There's, there's rumours of lifetime bans, which will be very, very interesting. You've had golfers like Kevin Nah, who's currently 33rd in the world, nine professional victories. He's resigned from the PGA Tour. Like He's kind of come out and said, I'm not going to play in the PGA Tour anymore. I'm playing exclusively for Liv, which I didn't expect to see either because I thought there was going to be times where, yes, this is an alternative option, you might be able to play in PJ Tour. You might want to play DP World Tour. You might then want to play in Live. But the fact that he's come out and said, nope, I am just going to play in Live. And Majors, potentially, obviously. There's there's lots of kind of confusion about how this is going to affect world rankings, world ranking points. It's a lot of rumours about how it's going to affect these players playing in major tournaments this year, whether the Masters are still going to elig- you know, be eligible, whether you can still play in the Open, um, all this is yet to be kind of worked out and confirmed. There's a lot, isn't there? There's a lot of a There's lot. A lot and this is even before him. a single shot's been hit. Like, it's crazy. The other big talking point as well is a lot of people know that this event, this tour is backed by Saudi Arabia. And there's opinions on that. There's thoughts about that. Um, it, it's just, there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. It's been spoken about for a year or so and a lot of people didn't think it was going to happen. Rory McIlroy said it's dead in the water in February, didn't he? And yeah. it's come, it's next week and people are just waiting now. I think just just tee off, let's see what happens. Um, the players have obviously made their decision and they're going to put it back in the tour's hands because the likes of Lee Westwood have, have said, I still want to play DP World Tour, PGA Tour. It's up to you to not want me. There's going to be uh, a few people that might not be Ryder Cup captains because of this. Graham McDowell, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter. They're saying, I still want to be a Ryder Cup captain. Absolutely. But maybe the tours might say, no, that that is the punishment. People are talking about lawsuits. Who knows? I mean, this is disruptive, isn't it? Uh, the, the most I've ever known in golf, and possibly the, the biggest disruption 
ever in professional golf. Like when you talk about breakaway tours, there's always been rumors. I mean, PJ Tour was a breakaway tour, um, but like this is so kind of like you say, rubbing against the grain of of what is known for professional golf. Um, obviously, these players have their families, their well-being, the money is very lucrative and they're, they're obviously thinking, okay, well, if I play in less events, I can make just as much money, if not way more money. It's guaranteed money. There's no cut. 54 holes, no cut. You are guaranteed to walk away. I'm sure it's $100,000 for last place, I think. And in a world of professional golf, the likes of, of Lee Westwood has gambled on himself for the past 30 years and he might not want to anymore. And... He's not the biggest fan of playing golf in America. Champions Tour is a place that he could go and play when he turns 50. Might not want to do that. Might want to just stay at home in the Northeast with his family and play in eight events a year and pick up a lot of money. There's many South African, well, Southern Hemisphere players, South Africans, New Zealand, Australians, down to play in these events. These guys travel the world. They pack a suitcase and they don't come home for weeks, if not months on end. That's why they're doing it. But still, a lot of these events are played in the US. So Yeah, but it's only eight weeks. Yeah. It's eight weeks. It's one less day of work. It's only 54 holes. There's no cut. For once in their life, they aren't gambling on themselves. They're taking a salary, almost, and the bonus of winning $5 million. The vast majority of the players on the list are coming to the end of their career, you can't really blame someone like Richard Bland for doing it. He's in his late 40s and finally broke through on the DP World Tour, but it's been a struggle for him. I think there's a few there, the likes of Sam Horsfield, that you question if he is banned from the tours, if he can't play in the majors. That seems a big shame on someone like that's career because you'd like to think that that's his next level, isn't it? Yeah. But then again... Who knows? Are they going to get banned? It's, it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, just a, a few other names that we've not mentioned. Sergio Garcia. He's a big name in world golf. Yeah, but he made it pretty clear the other week, didn't he? I didn't like that. He no. kind of spat his dummy out. He does I, that, though, I doesn't I he? I really Sergio? didn't like that. Um, a, a very interesting one is Chase Kepka. I don't think that's interesting at all. So, I think he's got nowhere to play. And his brother's obviously got some sway in the world of golf and guys like that I don't blame as much because they do have literally nowhere to play and their game isn't good enough to play on the the top tours. But one thing, is he almost like a placeholder for the first few events before kind of Brooks maybe comes over? Is there a, is there a bit of that? Because if this is the list right now, what's going to happen? Let's say the first event, let's say someone like Kevin Nair wins it, Okay how many of the PJ Tour players are going to be looking and going, hold on a minute, I can beat Kevin Nah. I can make $5 million. I can. I want a bit of this. There wasn't that much of a backlash. The ban wasn't that severe. Let's go. Like, I, I can only imagine this list actually getting stronger as the weeks progress. Like, this isn't guaranteed these 48 players playing for the next eight events. This is the list for the first event. There are going to be definitely changes in this list, but 48 is the maximum. So people are going to get dropped. People are going to get kicked out. And then 
is it is it going to be a new wave of bigger names more popular names that we've you know that have in the past said um, it's not for me but money talks well i think there's going to be plenty of players asking their agent how much did dustin johnson get there'll be talk amongst the locker room if it is over that 100 million mark okay right well we just said brooks kepka i've won more majors than dustin johnson so what's my worth yeah or somebody that says, I've only won one major. If he's getting over 100 million, can I get 80? There'll be talk of that because it does happen to a small extent in terms of signing on with club manufacturers or appearance fees. What does Tiger get? He gets that. What does Rory get? So what do I get? It might happen with these. However, I think Dustin Johnson's probably going to get the most because he jumped first. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to run through the, the actual events and then I want to talk about, and because I, I think this is really, really where they've, they've missed the point, is how, it's, how it could potentially benefit the actual viewer. Because there's so much talk at the moment about money, 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 who's playing, who's playing, but actually how is it going to be a better product for the viewer? So the first event is London, then they go to Portland at the end of June, then it's Bedminster at the end of July, again in America, Boston, at the start of September, then Chicago in the middle of September, then over to Bangkok in October, then Jeddah, the actual only event that's actually been played in Saudi Arabia itself, and then the finale is in Miami in October, the end of October. Now, that list of lineup, you can see there's a lot in the USA, so a lot of USA listeners will be thinking, well, they might think, oh, are they all of, all of them played in Europe? Are they all played in Saudi Arabia? Obviously, there's a mixture there. Um the one thing, and, I, and it started early, I spoke with Andy Gardner, who kind of came up with the idea of the Premier Golf League, which this is a very, very similar idea, if not almost the same, is how is it good for the consumer? How is it good for the, the, the golfer, the golf fan? And I think that is where, at the moment, that's just not being talked about. From what people are saying, it's going to be streamed live for free. It's only 54 holes, so it's three rounds of golf, so you're not need maybe... You might not watch DP World Tour or PJ Tour on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, potentially. It's, a, it's on for a long time. This is going to be a shotgun start. You're going to have five hours of action over three days. A bit more, maybe manageable if you are such a golf fan. There's lots of talks about how the production is going to be better. Not seeing any of that just yet, but we will see that potentially next week. Like, There's lots of potential... But I think the fan really has to buy into this. They messed up with the ticketing pricing, in my opinion. It was way too expensive. You can now get them free, can't you? You've got a few codes out there. They're giving them, them away. Free. So a lot of the players now who've signed up are giving away tickets, 100 tickets if you use their code. Which, to be honest, in my opinion, the whole event should have been free anyway for the fans. Just get people there. Like, get people enjoying it, potentially. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. It, it's third, like This Thursday, we're actually going to find out what is going to actually happen, what it's going to look like. Um, is it going to be a success? Is it going to fail? I don't know. I think they've got enough time and enough money to evolve it week in, week out. I've worked on the uh, the Aramco team series, the Ladies European Tour stuff, for the last 18 months, and every event gets better. They learn from it and they go again. It's not in the spotlight as much, so they have that opportunity. But the, the infrastructure at those events are next level. 
The golf courses are very good. The players get looked after better than they ever will do. And I do think even with Centurion, there's there's rumour of, well, there is, there's a, a huge stage that's been put on, which I would assume is going to be concerts and all sorts at night. So they're maybe going for some entertainment element as that. The only thing that I, in, in I D- don't get... DJ's contract to do karaoke. Yeah, DJ is the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. But, but in the Formula One in Saudi Arabia, they didn't sell a ticket. Next thing you know, Justin Bieber gets booked and the whole thing sells out. Don't be surprised to see something like that at these events. They have that much money to just click their fingers and bring... 13th ranked golfer in the world they could easily do that with the music stars as well there's no budget at these events yeah so if they want it they get it i don't know would you go or are you going i'm currently not going um i i don't know where i sit with it just yet i'm intrigued to see how it pans out um i, I as long as for me the product is really good for the fan I see that as a success. If, the, if at the end of it, on, on Saturday afternoon, if people go, wow, that was really good. That was different. That was more exciting. That was better than what we've seen in the past. Okay, that was a success. Forget the money. Forget who's playing. Forget even who wins. I think as long as, like I say, it, it's just got to be spectacular. And if it brings in new fans, it's great for golf. There's lots of talks about how they're going to incorporate a huge charity element into this with with the money as well. Brilliant. Get more people into golf. Get more people enjoying golf. Get more people watching golf. If you do all that for me, then it's it's a level of success. Um, and again, maybe live streaming it for free is a huge success. Like, we don't see that really at all. Like, you don't really ever get to see a lot of the time now live golf because it's expensive is often behind a paywall if this is genuinely live and it's really really good for the fan then i think it could it could potentially work um one thing i'm doing this week though as mentioned earlier i'm playing in a 100 ball (laughs) yeah i I can't work this one out you were telling me earlier and i've still it's still not gone in the brain so friend of mine uh, american Eric Anders Lang, who um, many of you will know from the channel. He actually was the reason why I started this podcast, Mm. believe it or not. So he, um, I used to listen to, I wasn't really dead into podcasts a few years ago. Oh, I love a good podcast. And uh, he, he had one and it was really good and I really enjoyed it. And he had some great guests on. He's just, they're cool. He's got a cool life. He lives in wherever he lived at the time, LA, everything seemed pretty cool he's quite a cool character is this you trying to be cool yeah just a little bit and I, I used to really enjoy it and he was over at the Isle of Man in the Isle of Man sorry about 2017 I think he was and he said let's hook up let's do a video he does a series on YouTube called um Adventures in Golf where he goes around to all these crazy crazy places and explores these amazing things that you think how is we I know golf as golf going out Playing the Marriott Worsley Park, shooting a hundred or whatever. I, that's how I know golf. 
golf is played in so many different ways all around the world whether it's golf on ice whether it's street golf whether it's ice uh, whether it's golfing like when you went over to asia and and you see how they make the golf clubs at muir and things like this like it really does open your eyes and go god there is actually a lot out there i went to asia once and there was escalators on the golf course amazing unbelievable who'd have expected it so um eric in his kind of journey set up a company called random golf club um i'm actually a member of random golf club and it's basically he wants to make golf more inclusive which again i'm all for so they do these mad meetups and uh and basically you all play golf together like i've seen it on youtube i've seen it on social media like lots and lots of people come together they have the clubs i think you play maybe partners yeah i think you do so there's only 50 balls in play <laughs> only and basically you all two up you mark your ball obviously you hit at the everyone same hit, time on no the... everyone hits the first tee shot so it's kind of social okay. everyone's chitting chatting like enjoying whatever um and then someone steps up hits the tee shot and then once everyone's hit, you kind of wander down the hole together and you kind of find your ball and you hit it again. And it's not really a competition or about score, but it's just a, a community. Like-minded individuals coming together and playing a golf course. And um, I'm doing a live podcast with Eric afterwards. Um, there was tickets for sale on this, which is on Eric's Instagram. I, I don't know if they've already all sold out. Um, it's down in London. And yeah, just it's a really, really cool event which I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm, I might wear my hat backwards just to fit in. And a hoodie. And a hoodie. And like rolled up pants or something and slacks. So I don't know. I'll try and do something do different so so I don't look as as old man. As golf nerdy dad as th- we do. Dad a three turning up here. Just like, everyone's like, hey man, this is really cool. Thanks for coming along. And I'm like, Hi. Hi, I'm Rick. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Shaking everyone's hand on the first day. But it'd be cool to see a different side of golf, like you say. And, and I, I've become more like that since I've retired from playing on tour. Before, I'd always say to somebody, you know, what's your handicap? Don't ask that anymore. No. It, where are you a member at? Yeah. Don't ask that anymore because it's not important. Yeah. Where, even like, where do you play? Like, people, I know golfers, honestly, that will... 100% call themselves golfers and they've almost never stepped foot on a golf course. They go to the driving range and they have clubs and they have the best clubs but they go to the driving range and that's their golf. They'll go on top tracer or they'll go and spend a bit of time working on the game or hitting long drives. That's golf for them. Like golf is so, that's the umbrella but golf isn't what we what we first originated, originated as now. It's spread its wings and gone into so many different categories and so many different facets which is is all great for golf like i honestly honestly love now going to a driving range at a weekend i take my kids and whatever it's packed full of what i wouldn't class as golfers under 30s just, just yeah yeah if a golf club secretary walked in there they'd be like wow do these people actually exist <laughs> yes they do they sure do no it's it's exciting so I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to that but i don't know how it's going to work out i'm going to try and make some sort of video about it um and we'll, we'll see what happens i might get hit by a golf ball who knows <laughs> um but it, but it could be it could be very interesting right um we've got some questions to fly through um will you get minji on the podcast i'd, I'd actually love do you know to. what i thought that and then i realized that they're in america so we can't get her on first thing i was going to 
going to try somehow to, to get her on today. But it would be cool. I, like, I want to try and hook that up. I think those two together. Do you think? I think they'd be quite nice dynamic together. Sorry, brother and sister. Is that guy texting no, saying this is, is rubbish? <laughs> He's not, it's not get live. Get her off. <laughs> <laughs> um, da, da, da. This is a question for you, for you, Sophie. Lowest round of golf you've ever played? I shot 65 in my first ever ladies european tour event in wales i was Your an amateur event? oh my god as an amateur i got an invite and i went down teed it up shot 65 minus seven and was leading I thought it's pro golf's easy <laughs> that's from david highland um this is a question for me aaron um why are you playing so awful to me it gets better believe me the, the i did a break 75 at marriott played better I've got a break 75 out this Friday, hopefully. St. Andrews, old course. Um, and I eagled the last. So, I, I, I stick, think stick that in your pipe. Aaron. Exactly. And I just want to counteract <laughs> that. I think that you're, you're hitting the ball well and you're not scoring well. Nicely put. And World 666, which days are you at the Open? I'm at the Tuesday through to Sunday. Oh, I've just just trumped you. I'm there Monday through to Sunday. Monday, maybe even through to Monday. Oh yeah, I'll depending be there. On, yeah. Depending on I wins. think I get there Monday night, um, but oh, I, I don't officially start work till Tuesday. What are you doing, Sky? Uh, no, I'm doing radio. Ooh, face for it. <laughs> no, so radio is quite cool in the sense that people can come up and chat to me. So is that is that radio for people for? For the open. For the open. Oh, yeah. that'd be cool. Because I actually, I can see um, the, the value in that. As a fan, you're at the open. Obviously, you're only seeing what's in front of you. But if you've got a little earpiece in and you can listen to you and whoever who else is doing it with you, do you know? Oh, there's loads of is us. There? Yeah. So, like, you'd be able to tell me what's happening on the other side of the golf course that I don't know about or who's leading or what where, where should I follow and who's teeing off now. I like that. It's good value. You're adding a great service there, Self. Thank you. We'll be based on the first tee, which is quite cool as oh, that's well. really cool. Yeah, just Honestly. to the right, like literally to the right of the first tee. Oh my, the atmosphere is going to be ridiculous. Um, I saw one before, but I can't find the name of it now. Where would be your ideal, perfect golfing holiday destination? I went to it this year. Well, actually, just first of all, I don't go to America very often, so I would like to do... An, an America one, like a Pebble Beach, yeah. obviously. But my perfect one in Europe is Quinta de Lago. I absolutely love it. It's two and two and a half hours on a plane. You're 20 minutes from the airport. And the golf courses, the quality of golf courses, they've got three of them there, North, South and Laranjal. They're epic. And it's such a nice place to be. And nightlife good? Do you go for nightlife? I go for... Some sociable drinks on the beach. Nice so there's a few <laughs> there's a few bars and restaurants that, that are on the beach there. Shout out to Julia's. So I'd recommend I'd recommend down there. That's mine. Um I'm going for a first lesson tomorrow. What should I ask the golf coach? It's an interesting question. Should I ask the golf coach? How do I get better? Uh, yeah, um, I would <laughs> maybe, maybe more. Maybe a, more. What should you ask yourself yes, before going for a golf lesson? Say, yeah, I would try and own your golf lesson. I, even as a coach, I don't like it when a, a player says to me, "Well, 
you just do what you want. You know, it's your swing or something like that. It's really not. It's your swing. Yeah. You need to know about it all the time. I only need to know about it for this hour as such. Yeah. <laughs> so, so go in what you want. Tom saying, what is the most slept on golf brand? It's like, what's the brand that people sleep on? That is not maybe getting the credit that it deserves. Cobra's always one for me, um, but I think it does get the credit amongst golf buyers. I would say Wilson Irons. Mm. Wilson this year, those irons are really good. What about you? Wilson Irons in general have, honestly, I've used them in the past. They are fantastic. They really are. Um, What golf brand do people sleep on? Wilson is a great shout, Sophie. You know, I probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have probably said that. I do agree. I think Cobra now is getting the the note of writer that maybe it deserves. It's pushing the envelope. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with you with Wilson Irons. I can't I can't think of anything that kind of beats that really. Um, it, it's just a shame they they almost tried to do or they have tried to do too much Wilson. Like they're still trying to make drivers like obviously I was on that TV show uh, Golf Channel show Driver versus Driver Two where they're getting people to come and design drivers and. I just think they should stick with making really, really good irons. Good irons, good wedges. They make decent golf balls. But again, it's not what they're known for. They're known for the really good irons, aren't they? So maybe just stick with it. Um, does simulator play Does simulator play hurt your game? No. So play, playing on a simulator. Now, you coach in simulator, don't you? Yeah, coach indoor and outdoor. I think I think a simulator for... For working on your swing is good because there's there's less things that can affect it. Obviously, the lie's always good. It's not raining. It's not windy. <laughs> that type of stuff. Um, but no, I think having a club in your hand and swinging it, it can never hurt your game. If you could improve simulator golf, what would you do? There's a couple of things I think I could. The think putting of. element. It's not great, is it's it? It's Not great. I th- I think if you were to, as we know, what a simulator looks like, it's pretty much just a. a a box effectively with a screen, a projector, a mat. I think a few things. I think first off, if and and I've seen great mats that do this, if they tilt and a bit of rough. Yeah, if they tilt and almost simulate the shot that you're playing on the simulator. So for example, if you've if you've hit it into the right rough and there's a, there's a hill, your ball it goes in the rough and the mat actually slopes to simulate that shot. I think the other thing that would be really interesting is, is like some level of wind in there even if it's just a feeling like a hole looks longer when it's into wind and it only needs to be a little kind of breeze on your face but suddenly you stood there going oh yeah maybe i do need to club up here i can feel it or i think one that's really a shot that's really hard to hit when the wind's actually on your back yeah buffering into so you're, you're almost on your toes as you take the club back i think that's really hard wind so again some way of being able to simulate that not in like a cheesy way but in like a way that's kind of beneficial to your game and like I say putting it'd be amazing if you could almost turn around on the simulator or, or do something different and again you had one of these greens that sloped so you could simulate the put you have on the golf course so if it was right to left, downhill, whatever it may be, you could kind of simulate it. Because um, I, I do think simulated golf is really good, but there's definitely ways of getting it better. You know what's going to happen now? Someone's going to message me going, oh, you mean like this simulator? Yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. already out there, isn't it, that we just don't even know about. Um, 
What is, what's the, what's your favorite, <coughs> bless you, favorite video you've ever made? Obviously you make videos now. What's your, what's your personal favorite? I watched you one at my home track the other day when I caught you filming on my, on my I territory. I, I watched the video though, it's good. I liked Thank it. You. What was funny though, because I saw a bit of the behind the scenes of, of um, your man videoing you on the, 10th green when he was chasing after the ball i saw that clip in the video i was like i saw how that got made i like that it was that really good drone. oh drone that was it it was the drone the footage drone on it. The that was pretty cool um what's been my favorite video i went to a hollywood golf club and we did a little bit behind the scenes in northern ireland rory mcelroy's golf club and it was so nice to visit a place and you could feel the how proud they were of him. The love. The love for Rory and how the golf club has, has benefited from him being there. So they've, they've got um, a wonderful new simulator and bar and how the juniors have come through and, and the, how they speak about the juniors there. And that, that was really nice. And, and to see that he's not from this really posh golf club. He's just from a, a normal one. That, that was good. And then yeah. I got to lift the Warner Maker trophy. That's so cool. That was cool. Because that's like a little museum there, doesn't it? Almost like a, a homage, a shrine to Rory McIlroy, which, why would you not? I, you know, I've seen a few places that embrace when a tour player has played there or grown up there. But I think a lot of places should do it because it's a great talking point, isn't it? Like, would you have ever gone to Hollywood Golf Club if, if not? Probably not. Oh. I've, I've been there. I probably wouldn't have gone unless it was for Rory growing up there and playing there. And I think you've got to embrace the golf clubs. If you've had a superstar go up through your ranks, even if it was for six months period, <laughs> attach yourself to it and, and, and run with it really. Because there's even a golf course in um, Chorley, Shaw Hill and uh, Nick oh, Doherty. Nick Doherty's, yeah. And there's a, like a bit of a shrine for him there, which I think just it's just great. Get, get a tour bag, get him to sign a few bits, a few little pictures. It just brings a story out and you go, oh, that's quite cool. He used to play here or, or that's his lowest round here or whatever it may be. And and it does inspire that next generation of golfers coming through. They'll go, oh yeah, he that golfer, like a Rory at Hollywood, he, he was practicing on this very putting green that I'm practicing on now, and he's now going, playing on PJ Tours, one of the best golfers in the world. Like, there's definitely ways of encouraging junior golfers doing that, really, aren't there? Do, yeah, you, have a, do you have a shrine anywhere? Um, I have, um, yeah, I do. I have one at Cleethorpe's Golf Club. I have my cheesy photo up there. <laughs> and like a, a, an old tour bag signed? No, I don't. I don't have that. Not yet. No, no, you don't. <laughs> I don't have it. I'm actually going back there on Friday to play in the the pro am, and I, I don't play many pro ams anymore. But I always go back to play in the Cleethorpes pro am, and and that's what you're saying. That's what it's all about. You want to be able to go back and see all those faces that they took you to the junior events, they drove you there, or they ran the competition and the the local pro. And that's the way I felt when I went to Hollywood. That that's how they thought about Rory. Yeah. Well, definitely, there's that, there's like I say, there's that appreciation that he's... And he, he talks so highly of that golf club as well. Um, I'm looking for more questions. Someone's just asked very quickly, Brad, uh, why is golf so hard? Bloody is, isn't it? I'm with, you, I'm with you there, Brad. Someone's asked for, for feet picks. Okay. Yeah, Josh has asked for feet picks. I don't think we'll give that. I think, I think we're out of questions. <laughs> Let's finish on that one, when shall we, we? When will you be ever interviewing Tiger? 
This is to oh, you and me. I would love to. In fact, for this radio gig, um, got a phone call. Would you like to work the radio at the Open? Yes, absolutely. Do you know the second thing I said? Can I be on Tiger's group? Yeah. And the guy said, well, you're the first person to ask. So I said, first come, first served. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Cool. But I've now said walk, it on the do podcast. Do you walk around inside the ropes with him if that's the case? So, or you're always in the studio? No, there's there's... When you're doing on-course commentary, you're allowed in the ropes. So if you're doing radio, it's just inside the ropes. If you're doing television like I did last year's Open, you're allowed on the fairways because you need to get the numbers and you need to say you've got 167 yards and the flag's on this way and uh, all that type of mumbo-jumbo. I will be better at that, everybody. So, yeah, it will be inside the ropes. Yeah, you've got you've got it into your tiger. I don't know what I'd say. What, what would you ask him? Because there's a potential I might be on the same golf course with him very, very soon for two days. And there's a potential I might bump into him with a microphone and a camera and ask him something. What, what, can I, what could be the first question I ever ask him? Mm, I, you know, I almost want to ask him, what questions you hate getting asked? Yeah. <laughs> How's your leg? <laughs> like, what? What's the one question that you always get asked and you just hate it? And I'll just scribble out all my top three questions that I was going to ask him because that's what is. I think the say. first thing I would say is I would thank him because Aww. I don't think me or you would be sat here without him. No way, not in a million years. Not I mean, look at your years. logo; it's red, white, and black. He's no everywhere, princess. isn't he? He's literally everywhere. He is. If I'd have had it my way, I'd have called my son Eldrick, but didn't quite work out anyway. Um, Sophie, thank you for being a guest or co-host. Thanks for the been, invite. Been, really enjoyed been it. Promoted. Um, looking forward to hearing you calling more golf very soon. They call that in America, don't they? Calling golf. Calling golf. Yeah. What do you call it here in the UK? Commentating. Yeah, it's better in it. It's better saying calling golf. I know. I, I like commentating. Do you? Oh no. Calling golf's a bit like what you calling it. Hard. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Make sure you like and subscribe. Check out Sophie on all of our social media. We'll be back next week um, with potentially a very, very special announcement. Right. See you all soon. Little teaser there. And uh, thanks, Sophie. That was amazing. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.